Hello, dear friends. I hope all is well with you. Sorry, I got a new SM7B mic. So I think a lot has happened. God, fuck. I always start this way. And, and I've redone this intro 500 times. So I, I'm just going to push forward. <laughs> and I apologize. So if you listen to the previous episode you'll notice that that was actually a live reading of the first episode of my charlieinfinite.com series. And as is the way with these podcast episodes, I wanted to take a minute to kind of digest everything that was going on with the first episode, um, templating it out so that I can do the live reading for the second episode. And then obviously I'm in the midst of writing the third episode. And then after the third episode, my plan is to take all three episodes together to make something coherent and a little bit easier. And as we all know, in order to pay for this fun endeavor, I have a day job. Um, So hopefully I have completely redone my audio setup with my SM7B so that I will be able to easily switch back and forth between the day job and me talking to you lovely people out there in the podcastosphere. And boom. Okay, well, let's just begin. So Charlie Infinite was a story I'd been working on for eons, uh, probably, I think it started around 2008, 2009 as a pilot script and just over the decade and some odd years has slowly kind of evolved. It's a story that's very sci-fi, but at the same time, very autobiographical, um, And I could never really figure out when I was first working on the script, like I could never really figure out what what I was missing. It just never really seemed to gel. I could visualize the entire process in my head. But beyond that, I was unable to really address just the core, right? What is this really about? What is this story? And it wasn't until I discovered therapy, meditation. I went sober (laughs) from alcohol. Um, All of these different things have interfaced in my life in some way to finally kind of open this story up. Um, It's also the first time I really took a hard look at writing scores underneath it. Um, And all of this, this intro part has already been addressed before, but recapping um because you know maybe the kids at home are new (laughs) we will see with that oh my god the one thing that's annoying about work is that i'm on teams and with teams it shows you as inactive if you're not in your laptop for work so i'm constantly having to like click on the side to make it look like i'm working really hard um in all fairness i did get up super early and i did get through a shit ton of work just so I could have this time. So it's a little bit of a back and forth. Um, My day job is actually fashion software. (laughs) I do basically supply chain logistics software for fashion companies. 
and I'm in what's called implementation. So for the better part of five or six years, this has been my job is basically work from home and brand new accounts, fashion, brand new or fashion companies that are brand new to the software I work for, my job is to be the interface, the account manager that basically gets them from initially setting up everything all the way to running it. And then once they've successfully used the software, which basically goes from them pro from production design where they're designing the garment all the way to placing orders with a manufacturer, all the way to cut and sew operations. And then from there, integrating with all of the different um, order channels that come in. So Shopify, Jor, EDI, none of this is going to make sense to you. It's all good. Basically, all these orders from around the globe come into the software and they all get consolidated into one type of order. And then from there, it goes out through this whole mechanism of inventory management, available to sell calculations. Then we shoot it out to a warehouse with our warehouse integration. And then the warehouse receives these orders and they basically pick them, put them in boxes, ship them out. And then all the information comes back into my software company's software and <laughs> double statement um, and then or redundant um, and then shoots back out. It is a crazy fucking job. It, it definitely, um, you feel like you're a bit of a cowboy because it's just constant, right? And usually I've got about, at my old place, this this job, this software company is relatively new. I've been with for like six months. Previous to that, I was with a company called Ames 360 for like five years. And it was like at any one time I was servicing and setting up like 10 accounts. Um, this job gave me a raise, a little bit more flexibility, a little bit easier in that it's like only three or four accounts, but way more difficult in that everything is custom. So as the customer tells me what they need, I'm actually working with the team and we're actually building it. It's fucking nuts out. Anyway. <laughs> so, so that was my short diatribe on that. And it made me feel better to get that off my chest because it is rough. Um, and that's where I've been at. So I've been working with them. It's been affording me the luxury of working on this. And then we loop back around to Charlie Infinite, right? And it's very easy, at least from the past me, to look at this as almost being defeated, that I couldn't make a full-time living out of music. And because of that, I'm a failure. And I'm not. I'm not saying I am. Everyone has their own path. Some people are able to write Christmas songs and that gets them by. Other people are brilliant at mixing other artists and that's how they get by. Um, and not by get by, but I mean, they just, they make a living out of it. They're able to be successful in what they do. Um, the, the thing we often forget is the people that make it in quote unquote, make it in our eyes or in our mind, because it's the desire that we too look at and then we want that, um, is very far and few between. There's only one, not that he's, well, fine. There's only one Jack Antonoff, right? Who's able to work at like Electric Lady and do all these things, work with all these bands and from Taylor Swift to St. Vincent, you know, um, it's kind of a one in a million plus, probably don't want to have to date Lena Dunham to get there. No, I, I, that was a bad, I'm not going to edit it, but that was a pretty bad joke. <laughs> um, so it, it's been an interesting road to get here between navigating 
a full-time job to having the confidence to even be a writer, right? I think the reason I've always stuck to music is there's an inherent craft to it that makes it accessible for me. I'm able to do it. It's just something I can do. Um, Obviously not with a huge amount of commercial fanfare, which leads to all kinds of other things. But when I'm working on music, there's always a story. And I think with Charlie Infinite, I really wanted to hit hard on the idea of making that story come to life. And so I took this pilot script and I broke it into different scenes and each scene would be its own new episode that I would completely rewrite. And then on top of that, I would rewrite and I would not rewrite, I would score an accompanying soundtrack to it. And as we all know, because I sound like a broken record, as you scroll through on the website to read the story, the transition points in music happen seamlessly and there's tons of transition points within any given loop of an episode or a scene chapter is what they're called online. Um, and, And this is, you know, I've been building this, got the prototype going. That was the first episode. Um, and I just wrote it. I thought I redrafted it. And then after I did all that work, I threw in the score and then my amazing boyfriend, Aaron, was able to go in and help me with the computer code that works behind the scene that actually like kind of maps all of the different audio files together. No one listened to it. (laughs) I've got the analytic tracker on. So it's like, yeah, no one's listened to it, which is fine. I, I think at first I got really depressed But then I think as I got a little bit more used to it, I realized to look at this as a benefit because once I started looking at it, I realized it still wasn't ready. And that led me to the last episode where I did a live reading of the score. Um, And originally it was just going to be a one-off and I figured like within one day I would do both episodes, get them out as audio podcasts and then I would move on since I was getting stuck on the third episode. Um, But when I went through it, oh my God, there were so many grammatical errors. So then I did a bunch of rewrites where I just cleaned up. I didn't really change the structure, but as I was cleaning it up, it was more kind of noticing different things, different elements, just because this is my first attempt, I guess, at writing. I've written pilot scripts and have done things before, but I've never had something that's just been so like out there. And so I got through that. um, And then as I was recording the episode, I noticed a lot of different issues. And then again, back to rewriting, rewriting, recording, didn't like it, go back, rewriting, recording, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. Um, And so then I finally finished it. I threw it out and I was like, fuck it, we're done. Um, And then I started working on the editing draft of episode two. And episode two, structure-wise, there's a lot more to work off of than episode one. But as I've been rewriting it, and I finally finished the last rewrite draft, before I go in to record episode two, that's where I wanted to do this podcast episode. Because my major concern is that there are still elements in the story that are missing from what I'm already hearing and seeing in my mind almost subconsciously. 
It's like I've become so attached to the story that I know everything happening in the back, but I'm not double checking to make sure I've actually written it down. And I'm at this kind of like this precipice where all of the stuff is there, but it just feels like it's it's missing a final layer, like a patina or a, a lacquer or varnish of some sort. Like the, it just seems to be missing something, right? And that something isn't necessarily within the script or within the music. It's almost like there, there's another layer to all of this. And so what I decided was instead of stressing out as I normally would and losing my mind, I'm going to take a step back. And instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on getting episode two recorded, getting episode three written and recorded. And then I'm going to take all three of those episodes and lump them together. Not not public facing necessarily, but just now that I, once I have three episodes done, I'm three episodes deep, then I feel like I will be better in tune to look at everything as a whole and make sure that I can rewrite some sort of narrative thread or some type of additional polish on top of it that just makes it feel like you're part of the world, that just makes it feel more coherent, like there's just more structure to it. And I think with episode two, I I just finished the rewrite and, and the whole premise, so episode one, go back, listen to it, read it at charlieinfinite.com. Um, long story short, we just set up all the characters, right? So, so basically there is this, um, there's this concept of the multiverse a la fringe, right? But at the same point, I fuse a lot of what I learned about meditation, um, Vedanta, non-dualism, all these different kind of like spiritual experiences I've had to kind of turn this into a little bit more of a meta thing where in one universe, people have had the ability to meditate and focus in such a way that they're actually able to switch with their other in a different universe. And in doing this and in having this ability, there becomes this kind of on this other universe, there becomes this like warring faction between the people that think that it should be left alone and it should be something that's more like of an embracing thing. And then other people that want to bend it to their will. Um, But I don't want it to be like good or evil, right? Because the people that want to bend it to their will, they have their own kind of like Trumpian situation going on. And their hope is or the starting place that a lot of them think is, oh, well, let's just switch out into any universe where that person is not a Trump supporter. Let's bring them into our universe and then swap them because they're Trump supporters and no one wants them. And then the other faction, right? It isn't that they're pro-Trump or not. It's just more a matter of those are other human beings. Those are people with lives and, and what you're doing is preposterous because you can't play God. That's kind of the basic scenario, right? So it's this warring faction and they're constantly meddling in other people's universes. 
beyond that, right, every universe has a thing called a failsafe. It's a person, right? There is one person within every single universe that everything kind of hinges upon. It's their reality or their concept of reality that creates the universe that they live in. And, and the first kind of accord or rule between all these, this warring faction in this multiverse is you find the failsafe, you protect the failsafe. Because if the failsafe, like for whatever reason, something happens or something traumatic happens and they alter their perception, they alter that universe. And the last thing you want is for that universe to change when you're in it because you are not part of that universe. So you won't change, but everything around you will change. Basically it kind of creates like a paradox. Think of it that way. I know. <laughs> Magic. So so that's kind of that episode one tries to lay that out in a kind of a coy way where it's really more about the individual characters that you're going to be seeing throughout episodes and kind of more about like what they're dealing with and what, what's being revealed. The cool thing about the way I've been writing it is now that I'm working on episode three, I am able to go back and kind of add just a couple of flavor notes to like episode one and episode two to kind of help tie things together a little bit better just to give it a little bit more of a stronger foundation. Um, but episode two is where we really kind of dig deeper onto the fact that there are conspiracy theories in multiple layers to all of this that are incredibly complex. Um, you know, you have the multiverse, right? But then you have the concept of reality itself and the concept of time itself, all of which, if you practice non-dualism, all of which is an illusion. N none of this is real. It's all a construct. And, th and the concept of the past and the future, right, are just because that's with our physical bodies and minds, that's how we're able to perceive things, right? But from a different dimensional plane, you would experience all of it at the same time or be able to flip through it, like flipping through a book beginning to end. Um, I know, I'm getting a little... <laughs> so you can see why this is, it's a fun project, but it's a bit intense, right? How do I keep the emotional entanglements and elements that I really want to talk about, um, but at the same time blend it with this whole kind of interdimensional war, otherworldliness? Um, so episode two is really able to do that. Episode three is the difficult pickle because it is entirely autobiographical. So the construct is that Charlie, the main character, who's, let's be honest, is based off myself. Charlie is the character, he is the failsafe. And so he goes through, in episode three, these set of experiences that are incredibly traumatic and horrific. And living through them and having these nightmares, what he doesn't realize is as the failsafe, he's actually augmenting his reality and thus the entire universe that all these people are inhabiting, right? Because he gets these traumatic triggers. Um, he doesn't realize what he's changing. So then everything around him changes without him even knowing it. So long story short, all of it is completely true. So all of the crazy traumatic events like... One event where he's like 
been locked in his room and he's terrified of, of seeing monsters as a child. And so he starts peeing on the wall of his bunk bed because he's got to pee and he has no way to get out. And then his mother has been basically staking out the bedroom this whole time, even though she's the one that's locking the door from the outside, runs in, beats the shit out of him. There's a lot of traumatic events like that. There's another traumatic event of... I don't want to be glib about it, but you know, there, there is an event where I was raped in my twenties. Um, so I kind of talk about that. Um, and then there's another event where it kind of talks about this incredibly abusive relationship I was in all of which different times. Right. But I kind of take these three points as an intersection where I basically went from being gay to straight in my reality. This didn't really happen. This is in Charlie Infinite, right? So he becomes straight. What he doesn't realize is there's these two people, Rufus and Lorraine, who are act um, are actually in in they're in a universe within a universe. They're the ones that have kind of instigated all of this, and they're flipping through. And Rufus is kind of the ringleader, and he's got this master plan spanning like thousands of years and generations and all kinds of crazy stuff. But the long story short is he's the only one that's able to realize what Charlie's doing as the fail safe. So he intervenes and he forces Charlie to go through all of his trauma to get him back onto the path that he originally was supposed or not supposed, but was on before Rufus showed up, right? Rufus was basically trying to reset him to create a favorable outcome for the future events that happen. Anyway, as you can tell, the content matter is a little intense. And if I'm going to write that, I need to make sure that the first and second episodes can hold their own water. Because if I just jump in on this third episode going on about how I went through these events of being physically abused by my mother, being raped, um, being, again... (laughs) self-sustaining prophecy where I'm also being abused, you know, abused by this ex of mine, the evil midget as we lovingly call him. Um, just, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's heavy. And so where I'm at now is I'm about to record the second episode. I want to wait till after I record the second episode to then really dig deep on writing and fleshing out the third, um, all the pieces, parts, and blocks and kind of ideas of scores are in place, but just want to hold off. Um, and so that's where I'm at. That That is a pretty well-rounded recap of where I'm currently at. Um, I'm not going to lie. I still have issues feeling like I am not a good writer, that it isn't that I'm crap. It just, it feels at times mediocre and I think that that's you know partly because it's in my own head right bouncing back and forth and it's not fun I think everyone as an artist or just in life general you go through these moments where you just you lose focus and clarity you start to second guess yourself and that kind of stimulates this like depressive manic response where you basically just don't want to do anything because you're like, what's the fucking point? And I, I've battled that most of my life. 
correction all of my life that I can remember. I've always had that sense that not that I was on the wrong path or I think just this kind of overall feeling of being mediocre. And I know that this comes from my mother and the amount of pressure and weight that was placed on me. Um, but here I am. And thankfully with therapy, I'm getting through it <laughs> slowly, but surely. Um, this podcast episode also is because like I said, I've got a bunch of new audio equipment that I'm testing out. So, you know, and on top of that, this is my additional therapy session with myself. So I'll probably be doing this more often. So be prepared. Um, my goal is to have episode two out before I do another episode of just blathering on. So the hope is once I get through this, right, um, I was on a vacation, so, which is kind of an irony. This is a Labor Day weekend. Um, I was supposed to go out to Rhode Island on Thursday with the boyfriend on an Amtrak just to kind of like get away from everything. But if you hadn't heard in the news, we had a massive flood and it was a flash flood, first time in New York City's history. Everything was underwater, so naturally, the next day on Thursday, we were to take the train, and Amtrak was completely canceled for like two or three days out. So with all of that said, it was a staycation, um, but it did remind me how much I love not working my software tech job. <laughs> and also when you're on vacation, you know, you're with your partner, so you don't exactly have the, the downtime to be alone with your thoughts, just to be kind of sulky and kind of like fight through stuff. Um, but here we are and boyfriend is in his lab working diligently and I am able to do this uh, episode, which I'm wrapping up now because I have a conference call with my team uh, because mama needs to pay the rent. <laughs> so this is a bit of a tangent, a bit of an adventure. Um, I hope you enjoyed. Um, I'm T-C-C-R-O-S-S-E-R, T-C-Crosser, SoundCloud, Instagram, Twitter, all of that jazz. Um, just throwing it out there. I, I, you know, If you get here, you get here. All right. Um, love you all. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you all soon.